Come on, everybody. Anybody here ready for Christmas? Come on, you're a little excitement in the room. Would you help me to say hello to those who are joining us online? One more time, put your hands together. Thanks for joining us today. We've got a great time prepared for you. We're doing a little short series. Today is our focus on what we're calling a Christmas remix. Going to talk about the most wonderful time of the year in just a moment. Before we do that, though, I've got a few things you just need to know. Uh, first is that Christmas Eve services are actually happening this Friday. If you haven't picked your service, 3.30 and 5 p.m., write it down somewhere. Who are you inviting? Are you inviting your grandparents, your parents, your family, your children, your friends, your Co-workers, I want to encourage you this week. It's a great time. So many people seemingly have a lot going on, but you'll be surprised how many people don't have a church service or don't have a family gathering to go to. Lots of people are more lonely in this season than you can imagine. So your invitation, probably this is one of the best times to get a yes. And we're going to sing Christmas carols. It's going to be lots of fun. Preacher should be pretty good that day. Okay, I'll talk, I'll talk to him, make sure he's on his, his, uh, his A-game. Candlelight at the end of the service. If you've never been in a completely dark room where we pass candles together and sing Silent Night, it's a beautiful family memory. I want to encourage you to be a part of that. A couple of other things I need you to know, and that is right after that, Christmas Day is on a Saturday, in case you didn't know. And then that Sunday, 1226, we will not have any live services. So this coming Sunday, all of our live services are on Friday, not Sunday. We're going to take the Sunday off and just enjoy. You can go to church online because y'all figured that out last year. Okay, you figured out how to do that. On 1-2, we're going to have our special year in review. So January 2nd, we're going to have our year in review. It'll be a great live service. So we'll be back together. And then on January 9th, so many of you guys are trying to figure out, hey, when is this going to start? Each time in January, we start 21 days of prayer and fasting. You say, fasting? Why? Because of everything you ate this month, all right? Some of you are going to end this month with your pants not being able to be buttoned, and I plan on joining you. Can I get an amen, all right? I'm going to be in it. So we start the new year with a fresh focus, prayer, and seeking God, and that'll be 21 days in a row we'll have opportunity to pray in person and online. And so that's kind of our schedule. Christmas Eve, 1226, day off, one, two, new, new message, year in review, new series starting January 9th. I want you to be able to plan accordingly so that you can be a part. Last but not least, before we jump into the message, just huge thank you for everyone who participated in our Heart for the House offering. Always blows my mind, your generosity, your giving, and you can still be a part of that. So if you missed your opportunity, oh, that was last Sunday, you can give and be a part of our Heart for the House offering this entire month, and then we'll let you know what we did and how we made a difference together. And then as, uh, as we have said already, everything in our heart for the house this year is to pay for our permanent facility. We're trying to get in as quickly as we can. And lots of you are saying, well, when is that going to be? That's my question too. All right. I, I've been asking a lot. And as soon as we actually finish the design portion and get our permit, we'll actually have a very strong timeline. I don't like to announce days until I got a strong timeline, all right? And so just know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, middle of next year, we're going to be live in person in a brand new facility. Oh, y'all, so it's, gonna, it's happening. It's happening in 2022, no doubt. And so today, I want to talk to you uh, just simply about the most wonderful time of the year. We sing the song, we're excited about it. It's the most wonderful time of the year. We're, we, got, we got the jingle bell going, we got the, the carols singing, and there's lots of kind of excitement that comes with the season. But for many of us, it can also be kind of challenging. 
I always say it's the busiest time of the thing. It's not the uh, season. It's not the most wonderful time. It's the busiest time. For some, it's the loneliest time of the year. For some of us, it's the most painful. It's definitely the most expensive. Can I get an amen, right? Uh, I don't know what goes on. But can I give you a little word of advice? It's not in the message, just a little word of advice. Please don't find yourself in January saying, oh my gosh, what did I do to myself? Because you swiped that credit card too much, right? Just hold back. Listen, your kids, they'll be okay, right? Just give them a little hug, a little love. I'm one of six children. My parents said, we don't do lists. You can write down one thing that you want for Christmas, all right? And so just, we can come back to Jesus and our family time and kind of diminish some of the craziness. Don't put yourself under that much pressure. This season, it's supposed to be very wonderful because it's a focus on Jesus. It's a focus on what he actually did for us, but we've commercialized it. We've made it into a big deal. And listen, I enjoy the candy. I enjoy the family gatherings. I enjoy the commercial side of it. But if you aren't careful, what's supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year begins to be one of the most painful times of the year. For me and our family this year, we're mourning the loss of my grandmother. And this is that first year where we're not going to Grammy's house on Christmas Eve. And, and so one of my uncles is trying to do it. And we're all like, you? Really? You know, like, just kidding. Just a joke if you're watching. But there's all this extra kind of like, ah, she's not going to be here. Now, I know she's in heaven. She loved Jesus, passionate about God, even told us all in her deathbed, hey, I'm ready. I'll see you again. I, I love that about it. There's joy in that, but there's also some, some mixed emotions. As one of my friends likes to say, this is the season also of forced family fun. It's like you, you've been avoiding that family member for most of the year. But you know that you're going to sit by them because they always put you by, because you're in that family that they put you by age or when you were born. And so every year you sit by somebody that really frustrates you. (laughs) Be honest with me, show of hands. Anybody here have a mom or dad, mom or dad, that when you're going in says, no matter how bad the food is, say it was good? Come on. (laughs) Right? Like so-and-so auntie's casserole is not really a casserole. We don't know what it is. This is that season, right, where all these things, the pressures of life kind of start caving in and it's all heading towards this one crescendo, like this one moment on Christmas where we're supposed to do all these things. And because of the pressure, what happens to many of us, we start to lament the season rather than really have joy and gratitude. I I know life is challenging, but can I just say to you today that that's really nothing new. Life on earth has always been challenging. Life on earth has always had a bit of suffering, but somehow people who went before us didn't put their hope in the things around them, but they put their hope in Jesus. And though their suffering was even greater than our suffering, they found a greater joy than we have. And today, what I want to help you to do, I got a simple job. Okay, simple job. This is the Eve before Eve, all right? This is the, the Sunday before Christmas Eve. And what I want to challenge you to do is to have joy and gratitude and hope like you, you always said you wanted. Instead of succumbing to the loneliness, the busyness, the expensiveness, instead of succumbing to all that pressure, how about flying above it, everybody? How about you walking into the room and changing the tone? How about you being the one when everyone is feeling a different way that you're carrying a hope that's deep within your soul? To help you see how important this is, I want to take you to the, the, one of the, the downest books. Can I say it that way? 
I mean, it's like, it's the downest book of the Bible. The book is named Lamentations. <laughs> Jeremiah the prophet wrote it around 586 BC before Christ. And his first book was entitled Jeremiah. I think he was hopeful in that one. The second book, it took a, a turn for the worse, everyone. It's like Debbie Downer on steroids. <laughs> and the book only has five chapters. And in chapter one, chapter two, chapter four, and chapter five, each of those chapters are 22 verses, and each verse starts with the, the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So he makes an acrostic in each chapter. You know what an acrostic is? A is for all the people who make me angry. B is for the broken bones I want to give them. C is for the cancel culture that's still aggravating me. D is for the dumb people. Can I keep on going? E, E is for the evil that I just want to overcome. F is for, oh, be careful there, pastor, right? For the four-letter words we don't use in church, right? That's what an acrostic is. For four chapters of a five-chapter book, he just goes on and on and on did you hear about the, the dog that died this week? I mean, he laments everything. And if you're unfamiliar with the word lament, it is like a passionate expression of grief. Jeremiah is a professional lamenter. Chapter one, chapter two, 22. 22. Skips chapter three, chapter four, 22. 22. But in the middle, in chapter three, he writes the same acrostic, but he gives three verses to every letter of the alphabet. So he expands, and you think that he's going to be expanding his lament. He goes chapter one, chapter two, and maybe, I guess, maybe God met him, and there was a little hope infused, and then he went back the other direction. Lamentations chapter three, verse 19. Are you ready for this, all right? He says, the thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. Pastor, could you be encouraging? Yes, I'm being encouraging. Just hold on. The thought of my suffering and my homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. If you aren't careful, you can count all the little things as losses that stack up and stack up and stack up to produce a level of grief that you can't overcome. But in the very, very next verse, he turns. We're going to put it on screen. I want every voice at home in the room. I want you to read it full voice. Can you do it with me? Come on. Here we go. It says, yet I still dare to hope. Say it again. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. Come on, say it with me. His mercies begin afresh each morning. In the middle of one of the longest crybaby rants, in the middle of one of the most Debbie Downer books of the Bible, he says, I have decided that I'm going to dare to hope that I'm going to do something different than what everybody else is doing. I'm so tired of hearing about the next variant. I'm so tired of hearing about the next thing. He says, I'm, not, I'm going to dare to do something different today. 
I just need y'all to know I came prepared to preach. I'm going to shout a little bit today, all right? Because some of you are so caught up in this season and the pressure that I just want to stir a little bit of hope again. I want you to believe in something bigger than what you have experienced because God is with us. Hope is one of these things that feels like a pretty word. We even, we name children hope. We name churches hope. It's, it's really nice. It's a, it's a great feeling. It's one of those hope-filled words. But there is more to hope than a feeling. There is more to our relationship with God than just going through the motions, trying to deal with my guilt on a Sunday. No, no, no. There is something more. I want to help you to understand the hope we have in this season because we are supposed to have this hope in our lives. You know that hope is not wishful thinking. I think some of us, we have this as a thought process that that it's just like, I I wish, I wish upon a star. No, no, God is bigger than the star. He spanned the universe with his hand. Y'all remember this. If you believe in a supernatural creator that he is, he's a big God. There are lots of stars. I'm not wishing upon a star. There is more to my hope and my faith in God. Some of us have been wishing that the saints would actually really make it to the playoffs. Y'all don't have to laugh so hard, right? Some of y'all are just wishing for a Super Bowl in your lifetime again. Some of y'all got to be around the saints when we actually started winning things. Anybody remember the Bobby Bear days? The Jim Mora days. Come on. I was a kid. I was like, man, I'm just going to, I mean, Tulane. I mean, I'm just focused on Tulane, right? They weren't a professional team, but at the time, it seemed like they were winning more. Listen, you can have wishful thinking. That seems nice, but that's not what hope is. Hope isn't blind optimism. Like, I'm just not, I'm not going to look at it anymore. And just, so don't look at the casserole. It'll get better, I promise. No, no, no. That, that's blind optimism. We have something to look to. We have someone to look to. We have a historical context of how good God has been already. And as I look around this room, it looks like that you've been eating pretty well. As I look around this room, it looks like God has been a provider already. We don't have blind optimism. We don't have wishful thinking. Our hope is based on so much more. I saw this this poster left out of for a lost dog. said, so, you know, lost dog, if you find him, please, please return. This is a little bit of blind optimism, okay, everyone? Lost dog, he's, he's, he's uh, uh, blind in both eyes, got a torn in one ear, three legs, recently castrated, and goes by the name Lucky. <laughs> How many of y'all know it's a little blind optimism that we're going to find Lucky, all right? That's not what our hope is. Our hope is based on so much more. Number three, our hope is, isn't an ambitious dream. For some reason, we, we've kind of acted as though that our, our dreams, that the things we just dream about at night or our daydreaming, that these are the things that our hope is based upon. Our hope is in so much more. I've got some pretty big dreams. How about you? I've got some pretty big things that I've written down. Matter of fact, at a very early age, every time that I would dream, I was always saving someone. Does anybody have a savior complex? As I grew a little bit older and started watching more of the Superman 
got to see some of those in the, in the 80s, right? I, I started dreaming that I was wearing a cape. Anybody do that, right? It'd be a beautiful damsel in distress, locked in a car. And I would fly in and I would rip the door off and she had fallen in love. How many of y'all know that my hope is more than a dream? Amen, everybody? Turned out pretty good for this boy, right? Your hope isn't some sort of dream like, hey, I, I dream one day I'm going to be a basketball star. Listen, I'm, I'm 5'11 on a good day. At 43, it's doubtful that I'm going to play for the NBA. Can I get an amen? amen. That was too loud. <laughs> Hurt me right here. This isn't some sort of ambitious dream. Write it down for me. Hope. Let's define it as a confident expectation based on something and someone solid. Hope is a confident expectation based on what he did already. I'm not confused about what he will do and I don't know when he'll do it. That sometimes frustrates me because sometimes I'm believing for God to do some big things and he never does them in the time frame that I want him to do them in. I'm like, God, could you do this by Christmas? And he doesn't. Some of you praying for a date just for Christmas. Listen, if he doesn't answer, it's for your good. Can I get an amen? I think sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves and so much pressure on the, these environments that if we aren't careful, we're, we're raising our expectations so high that, that I'm not even sure God wants to answer those expectations. Sometimes we've, we've placed, even on our family gatherings, that these environments, that even on a church service, as your pastor, sometimes I can raise the expectation that certain things are going to be and certain things are going to go. And, and then I look around this room and I see humans. We're all flawed. We all make mistakes. In our, in our, in our best laid plans, we still burn the turkey. We can put it all together, but if we aren't careful, our expectations get so high and then we're hoping on something that isn't really anything that God ever said. But today, what I want you to know is that if you place your hope firmly and your confident expectation in what God has actually said and what God is actually doing and what he's willing to do in your life, it will change the way you feel. Listen to how Hebrews 6 and 19 describes it. It says, we, we church, have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Would you say the next three words? Firm and secure. What kind of hope do we have? It's an anchor. It's firm and secure in our lives. It's not wishy-washy. We're not wondering where it is. But if you're living your life without an anchor, if you're living your life without something firm to hold on to, then every wind and wave tosses you back and forth. Every encounter with God is a, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. He didn't answer my prayer. He doesn't love me. He answered my prayer. He loves me. And it could it be that when he didn't answer your prayer, it's because he loved you because you were praying for something that he didn't want for you that was going to do more harm to you than you realized. See, he is a sovereign God who sees way more than we see. And as Garth Brooks famously sang, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Old boy ran into the girl he dated in high school at 30 and realized, praise God, I didn't marry her. That's funnier than y'all laughed at. It's okay. It's all right. Listen to how Hebrews chapter 6 and 19 describes the same anchor. But I love how the message translation describes it. If you're unfamiliar, 
the original context of scripture is solid. It's unchangeable. It's very defined. But as we take it from Hebrew and Greek into English, some writers have expanded on the intention to make it easier to read. And the writer of the message translation, he like defines what's being said and just says it beautifully. Here's how he puts it. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God. Your hope isn't whether or not you're going to get a raise this year or whether the bonus is all that you hoped it would be. Your hope can't be in a gift or someone who might give it. Your hope can't be whether someone will be there or not be there. Your hope has to be firmly secured to your belief in God. And more than ever in this season, I enjoy the commercial side of these things. I enjoy the eating and I enjoy the caroling and I enjoy the fun. But for heaven's sake, please don't anchor yourself to those things. Because they come and go. They come and go, and they come and go. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as we prepare to go into these environments, what would it be like when you walked into the family environment and Debbie, the real downer, brings it down, that you bring some hope, that you say, oh, it doesn't matter that the casserole is actually burnt. Come on, somebody. Like it does. We will be fine. I think we can. I know we can. Write it down this way, though. For most people, hope is something they do, like it's some sort of action. But biblical hope is something we actually have. You're a carrier. You're infected. You have Jesus. You don't have to go do something to make hope. You have it. I think... This is an important time to, to remind you of this because the distractions are loud. We have this hope. It's an anchor for your soul. Maybe like Jeremiah, you're lamenting some of the suffering or like Jeremiah, you're lamenting not the physical homelessness, but the emotional homelessness that comes with the season. Maybe you're actually really lamenting your loneliness, and I understand, I truly do. But I know this, that when you're anchored to God, regardless of what's happening around you, you can trust God to show up. The writer of the book of Psalms is famous for bringing this to our attention. And I appreciate King David, the writer of the book of Psalms, because he's kind of like me. He's, he's, a, he's a self-talk kind of guy. That he realized that every once in a while, you just got to say to yourself, self, it's going to be okay. And then you do have those people who talk in the third person. You ever met them? They say, Joshua, you're going to be okay. And then we all kind of take a little step back. That gets weird, right? <laughs> Psalms 43 and 5. He says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? And then he says to himself, put your hope in God. Would you say those words with me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. He had to kind of sit himself down and say, hey, we're going to have a little talk right now. 
because you're not going into that family gathering the way you're going into it right now. Have you ever said to yourself, self, don't go in there like that. It'll be really bad. I don't know if you have. I've been on the verge of saying and doing some things that I had to have a little talk with God. And praise God, he met me on that day and I was able to, to zip my lip, as my mom used to say. Zip your lips, son. Don't say all that again. And I was able to go in with a different spirit. See, when your hope is in temporal things, temporary things, then your hope goes with how they last and what happens with them. But if your hope is in eternal things, if your hope is in the eternal God, it lasts longer than the temporary things. It holds you as an anchor for your soul. I also know that sometimes you just need somebody like me to kind of come along in the journey and just remind you. Aren't you thankful that, that God sends people when you're having a bad day to come say, hey, you're really having a bad day? I wish they wouldn't say that. Sometimes they mask it in. Are you okay? My least favorite. If you ever walk up to me and I look like I'm dying, don't say, are you okay? Just say, looking good, pastor. Look like you got a full night of sleep. Like the way that shirt. I was going to say some other things, but I decided not to. This week, um, we're wrapping up all the, the gift buying, all the, uh, at least we're trying. At this point, if it can't be shipped in time, you're getting it late. Mom's where you at, right? Amen? Friday, my, my children had a little special like recital, Christmas songs, and it went on for a long time. Just thought you'd like to know. <laughs> and I was like, oh, they haven't been studying math this month. <laughs> it's Christmas songs, you know, like, that's, that's what I'm paying for. Um, side note. <laughs> Do y'all appreciate these real talks? So the kids came home about half day on Friday. And, and if you're unfamiliar, my schedule, I work Sunday through Thursday. So Friday is kind of like the beginning of my weekend, and so they're off early, and normally Amber and I try to go on a date on Friday, we have lunch together, and you just, we try to kind of have a special time, because that's, they're in school, and we, but they're not in school, and so as soon as my daughter got home, she's turning 11 in January, she, as soon as she got home, she's like, Dad, I need you to take me to Five Below. <laughs> Does anyone know what Five Below is? Okay, Five Below is, is like the death of me. You go to Five Below and it's like a gauntlet, okay? You walk in, and if you're not familiar, everything's $1, $2, or $5, okay? Like, and you walk in, it's like you try to make it through the, I mean, it's, it's like a, everything in the world you can imagine and stuff that like you think you could buy for a whole lot more. And, and then you go to check out and then the real gauntlet starts. Y'all know the, the new checkouts now as they run you down, like you don't have a choice. You're going back and forth and it's like this dollar thing, this dollar thing, this dollar thing. So anyway... I was feeling gracious. And I said, okay, we'll, we'll go, but we're going to go in a little while. She's like, where are we going to go? I was like, well, dad's got to get dressed. God, dad's got to prepare himself for, for by the low. And, and so we decided to make a journey of it. We're going to get a coffee. We're going to go because I need help, okay? Like five below on a Friday or Saturday before Christmas, this is going to be nuts. And so we're driving to five below. And, and, and then I thought to myself, like, do you even have money? She's like, yeah, I'm going to buy a present for, for Caleb and a present for mom. And I'm getting a present for you. And I'm like, well, how are you going to do this? I'm here. She says, I've got it worked out. Well, how much money do you have? So I've got a gift card and I got a bunch of change. Where did, where did you get the change? 
She said, well, I got it from Caleb. That's my son. I said, so Caleb stole it from me. You stole it from Caleb. So I'm buying the gifts. And so as we were going through this process, I was kind of amused with the whole thing. And then I said, listen, I'm going to, I want to double your money because I want something good from five below. Okay. I'm like, I'm going to double your money. But what was happening in the moment, can I just tell you, and sometimes it's your child, sometimes it's not your child, but what's happening to me on Friday was a little bit of the joy and gratitude that, that I had somebody in my life that wanted to do that, that wanted me to go there, and we're going to the five below. Sometimes we, we make what we need to get to be so expensive or so big. Five below allows you to put all those little quarters in one at a time to buy your $5 deal. And she's like, I've done it before. I've got plenty of money. How much money do you have? I have $10. I will double your money because I want a $5 gift. (laughs) We go through the process and all I can tell you is what it amounted to for me was an experience in just joy and gratitude. My kids don't always get it right. Sometimes I'm like, you need Jesus. (laughs) But every once in a while they surprise us, right? And what I saw was Not a concern of how much or how many, but the joy of the season coming across. And so when it came time to check out, I had to bring some money to the table. She had to bring some money to the table and then she had to get my gifts. And so she handed me everyone else's gifts, Caleb's and Amber's gifts, and says, you you get those. And then I realized that she was really getting the better end of the deal again. (laughs) And so I went through the gauntlet and I made the purchase and I had to stand by the door while she went and found my gift. And when we left after lots of help at the register (laughs) from that lovely lady, God bless her, (laughs) all the quarters got in. She packed away my little gift and I'm pretty excited about it. It's the little things in this season that change your attention from the things that don't matter because it's not how expensive it is, how big it is. It's about who he is. And I just... I thought as we're preparing for it, I know it's going to continue. We've got the office parties and we've got all the things. Can I just give you five things that I know will bring you hope? And at the end of the five, you're going to say, Pastor, I already knew those. And I say, I know. It's like a parent talking to their kids about cleaning their room. You know it should be clean. But we get so distracted. We get so distracted that we don't do the things and then we live hopeless. Write them down with me. Number one, how do you get hope in this season? You find hope in God's presence. Because he is someone. He isn't something. Even when we refer to the Holy Spirit, Jesus didn't say it or the ghost. He said, I'm going to send him to you. He is the Holy Spirit living within us and during worship reminded you that he is Emmanuel, that is God with us. And during this season, on the hard days, you need to turn on a little song. I always have one song in my playlist that that's the song. That when it starts to play, like I immediately sense God's grace. Do you have a song like that? Now, there are lots of songs. And some of them go out of style for me. I'm like, man, we sang that one. I'm, I'm done with that one. Like, y'all, y'all ever do that on Sunday? You shouldn't, by the way. Sometimes y'all walk in, that's not my favorite song. I'm gonna wait to, to get to God to the next song. Shame on you. The psalmist said, Psalm 62 and 5, find rest, my soul. 
The hymn goes, in Christ alone. For my hope comes from him. We have songs about these things because they they remind us to set our eyes on God, not the temporal things around us. God's presence is real. You will know that he's with you because it will change the way you see. It'll change the way you feel. Hope will rise and fear and worry will dissipate. Isaiah 40 and 31 says it this way. Those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. Anybody want to soar in this season? They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. There is a a tangible experience that comes from the presence of God. And you don't have to be in church to get it. You don't have to hear me talk to you to kind of stir it in you. You can have your song and it can be at the ready. And when everything starts going crazy, you just slip in the little earbuds. You know, you ever ride down the road with one earbud and the rest of the car doesn't know you're listening to something else? My dad, he mastered this, always messing with my mom on road trips. We'd go on long road trips and after it was getting late and all the kids would finally settle, that was mom's job, getting us all settled, six of us settled, that's a big job, that he would kind of, he would start getting dark and he would start letting his, he'd close one eye and he'd start letting his head go and then my mom would freak out, Charlie! And he would turn and look at her. I just thought y'all needed to hear that story. We remind ourselves that God's presence is real. Secondly, you find hope in God's promise. You know that God has promised you some things and you can trust that the promise is going to be fulfilled because he fulfilled the others. Some of you have gotten kind of lackadaisical when it comes to your time in the word of God. And this is the season. Get ready for the new year to start reading the one year Bible maybe to find your promise Because when you're struggling with hopelessness, you have to come back to what God actually said. You're struggling with sickness in the season. God's a healer, Isaiah 53 says, right? By his stripes, you and I are healed. Struggling with fear. God is not giving you a spirit of fear. Struggling with whether God's going to be a provider. Go read the whole book of Philippians. It says, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory, Philippians 4, 19. It says in verse 13 that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I want you to notice that if you'll start to speak these promises out loud, they will take hold of your life like never before. Some of you are thinking too much. And your negative thoughts are spiraling you into a hopeless place. But I want you to speak it out loud. I make my kids, since they were young, recite verses, and sometimes they're into it and sometimes they're not. We've had to turn some of them into rap songs, and sometimes I had to remind them of the raps later, right? I turned Ephesians 6.1 into a rap song, children, obey your parents, right? It's the worst rap song ever. It's only a few words. Children, obey your parents, right? You try it. It's not a rap. It's terrible. But when your child is disobedient, you remember the promise of God it says that you have long life if you obey me, children. It's little things hold on to the promise. Psalm 119 and 81, my soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your word. God's presence is real. It'll give you hope. God's promise is you can hold on to, you can anchor yourself to what God actually said. Number three, God's process. In the list, this is the one that bugs me the most. 
Because I wish God's process was more like my process. I wish God's timing was my timing. I wish God did everything the way that I wanted to, to go and, until I realized that my way was probably bad. I, I really sometimes kind of fuss over the process, but listen to Romans 5 as it describes the process of how God works in our lives. It says, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, we also rejoice in our sufferings. Time out. Paul said we rejoice in what? He said we get excited when you have a flat tire. You ever met somebody that got out of their car with a flat tire and was like doing a dance? Like, praise God, I got a flat tire. My dad used to do this when we were growing up. And it used to frustrate us. We'd be like, dad, stop it. He's like, Bible says to do it. He was weird like that. We rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces. What does it produce? Perseverance. And then perseverance produces character. Say it with me. And character produces hope. Now listen, I realize that some of you might be in the perseverance stage, the character stage, but there is a hope stage. Amen, everybody? And if you will stick through it in the perseverance time, if you will push through it, there'll be some character developed in you that will respond to the hopelessness in this season and you'll begin to live differently. God's presence is real. His promise is sure. His process, though sometimes longer than you want, if you'll stay in the game and not get out, you will win. If you'll stay in the saddle, you'll see God will meet you in a dynamic way. I've got two more, and I love Danny. Dan, I'm going to get Danny up here because he always surprises me, so now I'm going to tell him to come, right? Can y'all give it up for Danny always? He's always the person I pick on, and it's mostly because one of my dreams is always to be a piano-playing worship leader, and I don't have the gift, y'all. So sometimes when I dream, I see myself like singing... R&B, boys to men, you know? And Amber just saying, what do you need, honey? I don't know what I'm doing right now. It's okay. Y'all just, I think y'all just need a little joy in the service. Number four, hope comes from God's purpose. God's purpose. You know that God has a purpose for your life? You aren't an accident. And the further you get from your purpose, the further you get from hope. The further you get from your purpose, the more you feel as though you don't belong. And listen, God has gifted you. And he's gifted you not just for you, but for the people around you. That's why Timothy says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. People prayed over you and said, I see this gift in your life, use it. He said, I want you to give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. Don't neglect, fan into flame the gift that you have because sometimes the hopeless feeling you have is because you're focusing on what you have rather than what God has called you to do and God has a purpose for your life. And this can be a growth season or it can be a painful season. This can be a season of life change or you can say, God, I'm embracing the process. I'm becoming all that you want me to be and I'm going to place my hope in and my focus in your purpose. Can I give you a, a challenge, a way to fulfill your purpose in this season? As you go today, we're going to hand you a bunch of these cards. 
Because this is the season where everyone's trying to figure it out. How do I make it? How do I pay for it? How do I do it? And it says something extra to show God loves you. And then you flip it over and it says, and so do we, onehopechurch.com. It's one of the simplest things. You can go to lunch today and you can double your bill and put one of these cards there and say, hey, we're praying for you. You say, well, pastor, that's a lot. It's worth it. It makes a difference. You're, you're stepping into your purpose. Some years back, we, we did this very similar in this season. And someone took one of the cards in Elmwood to a Starbucks over there. And, and they said, hey, I want to pay it forward. And said, can I pay for the card behind me? And would you give them this card? And I love that the barista was like, yeah, we'll do it. And so they drove away. One of the members of One Hope Church, God bless them. They drove it away and they got the next car came up and they handed them a card and said, hey, the car in front of you paid for yours. And they were so touched by it that they said, hey, would you do, can I give you the card back? Can I pay for the next car? And the next car? And the next car? You know it went to 37 cars? You want to know how I know it went to 37? Because a pastor friend of mine called and said, hey, I, I went to Starbucks and one of the members of your church or somebody you bought it for, they gave me this car and said they were paying for, paying for my coffee. And I thought, this is awesome. And I said, how many times? They said, 37 times. That the baristas were having fun kind of keeping track of what was going on. And he said, hey, can I, can I, can I pay for the next car? And the barista said, absolutely. And he said, hey, I'm going to keep this card and I'm going to give you my church's card. <laughs> That sucker, you know? <laughs> Your purpose is to have hope, to bring hope, to infuse hope, to live hopeful lives. Don't get lost. You have a purpose. You have a calling. Number five, as we close, you find hope in God's place. And I wish I, wish I could say that God's place was a building, but it's not. For seven years, I've struggled with many a, many a celebrations on our anniversary. Like, God, when are you, when are you going to give us a building? Because I'm so tired of this gymnatorium. I didn't even know that word existed. I think they made it up just to make us feel good. Hey, you're having church in a gymnatorium. But can I tell you that I have discovered that God's place isn't a building. It isn't a seat. God's place is in us. He is in you. You have him. God's place here on earth is in us and God has gone to prepare a place for us in heaven and you'll find hope when you focus on his presence, his promise. If you'll allow yourself to find hope in the process, if you discover that you have purpose in the middle of this season and you place your hope in a God who is with you. John chapter 14, our closing verse says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me because in my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you. Come on, read it with me. I am going there to prepare a place for you. Today, don't, don't give in. Find hope in God. Would you bow with me at home and in the room? Well, just for a moment of prayer, every head bowed and every eye closed. Today, if you're feeling hopeless, could it be that you're far from God? And if you are, you couldn't be in a better place right now. Because the Bible says that if you'll place your hope and your faith in God, that he'll change everything for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I won't embarrass you. I won't ask you to stand or come to the front. But if today you know that you need the hope of God in your life, if you need his saving grace, I want to lead you in a prayer. 
Would you whisper these words? Say them right after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm giving you my life. And I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, would you forgive me for my sin? Would you forgive me for trying to live this life on my own? God, would you give me the power to follow you all the days of my life? In Jesus' name.